Spinster Life Podcast. Welcome to the Spinster Life Podcast. I'm Amy. I'm Eva. And today we have a very, very special guest. My friend Emma, or Millennial Emma. Emma is child-free. Are you child-free, Amy? I am. I consider myself child-free, yeah. <laughs> well, because I don't have kids and I don't want them. Oh, so you mean both in terms of literally and in terms of in terms of the In terms of the movement, because yes. there's a whole movement. It's not, it's not just me and you sitting here and... Not being moms. And not being moms. There's a lot <laughs> of us out there that have so, chosen not to be moms. I do want to actually properly introduce Emma. So we've talked about the child-free thing. And you've actually, you're doing a project around being child-free. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's it's kind of um, two projects that are, they overlap. Uh, I'm working on this illustrated nonfiction book about single women through history. Um, and it overlaps because a lot of these women both never married and did not have kids. And so it's kind of started because I realized that a lot of these women through history were kind of erased or forgotten. And I wanted to find more examples of child-free women or unconventional women um, that were not, you know, just living celebrities. Is it a personal project? Is it a project related to some like educational venture? It's definitely a personal project that I started from my own personal growth. Uh, I've always loved women's history. And I just wanted to find more child-free women. And then I did all this research and I categorized them. And then I was like, wait, a lot of these women never married. And it's, they're like doubly unconventional. They're both uh, did not marry throughout history when it was expected. And then um, they didn't have kids. Um, And it was a little bit easier for me to focus first on single women because the line is more clear, right? You either married or you didn't. Whereas with women who didn't have kids, you can never completely know if they might have wanted kids and be childless or if they did not want kids. Um, but I couldn't find any book that gave me kind of a, a list, a really a detailed, comprehensive list of women. Uh, so that's why I started doing a list. <laughs> and then I kind of picked uh, some of my favorites or some that I found most representative uh, and diverse. So I have a list about 100, 120 that is turning into a book that I'm hoping will be published. Yeah, you're really close to getting it published because you have an agent. Yes, I am very lucky I have an agent. Uh, her name is Haley, Haley Casey from CMA. And I'm so grateful that she believed in my project. It's just the reception has been really so positive that I'm very humbled and grateful that this has been going so well. I do want to mention that I am married. <laughs> I don't want people to think I'm a hypocrite. Interloper! Oh, no. No, <laughs> no we... um. And it's, I think spinster, you can That's be spinster spe- at heart. And I think you here. definitely are a spinster at heart <laughs> in the like spectrum of spinsterness. <laughs> um, and I do have to say, your Instagram feed is amazing. Uh, oh, is that kind of a sneak peek at the, the book? Yes. So um, for the book, I had to focus on, on a smaller number because I can't just have 800 profiles. Um, so I, I kind of selected 100, 120, we'll see. Um, but I wanted to mentioned the other ones that were out there and I was like well how can I do that best so I've been trying to do it by birthday or if something big happened that day that I can mention um so to do it to do it like that uh, to try and I, I kind of want to show just how many women d- defied so- societal conventions at the time because uh, I grew up and always believing that everybody got married I mean I knew a couple women who never married 
or had children and I wanted their life. <laughs> uh, like, yeah, there's like, um, and it's just like, I want your life. I don't want to, you know, the life of being kind of relegated to the kitchen and having to do the dishes and feed the kids. It's kind of a coincidence that these women were usually child free and single. Um, and then I was like, well, one of my favorite authors, Jane Austen, obviously never married, but it's not necessarily always widely known because her books are so um, viewed in such a stereotypical way of the love story. Yeah, yeah. Her her stories are about marriage, but I think we've discussed this a little bit on the podcast before about how you almost need that space of not having a husband and not having kids to take care of to do that kind of work. Absolutely, and I th- I think. Um, that's why so many of the women that I have on my list end up being writers or artists. Well, first of all, because you have a trace of what they've done, obviously, which, you know, a lot of history doesn't survive, <laughs> doesn't survive time. Um, but it's, it's a huge belief that I have that so many of these women could not have had that legacy if they had had kids or husbands. You know, I always like the example of Susan B. Anthony working with Elizabeth Stanton and who had a husband and seven kids and who just couldn't go travel around the U.S. like Susan B. Anthony to give speeches. So she would write them, uh, which is still, you know, remarkable to do when you have so many kids and and a household to keep. Um, But there's definitely, I've come across a lot of women who wrote about how they felt uh, confined by marriage and the responsibilities of being a mother and a wife. And I just feel like it's not, we don't, talk about it enough we tell women they can do it all and I think unfortunately it's a it's a big lie you cannot do it all and you shouldn't be told that you can do it all because we don't expect that of men um and (laughs) yes very true if you have a passion uh and you want to pursue it and you only have 24 hours in a day (laughs) less actually because you have to you know sleep and do other stuff but it's just it's a it's a time issue and um the more I read about these women, the more I was inspired because I, I would also like to have, you know, a career that's maybe not corporate, maybe less traditional. And it's it can be hard because I can feel like you're not achieving enough. But then I look at everything they did and I get inspired every day. And there's an extra level for me that I have chronic pain. So there's an extra kind of connection when I find women who also had health issues who maybe didn't marry because of it or uh, by choice to just keep keep trucking and keep doing what you're doing and it's um to me to me it's very inspiring yeah it's interesting you bring up chronic pain because that's definitely uh I also have that issue and have a number of health issues and uh every time well let me say this I turned 40 on Monday so I'm now officially over the hill which I feel like over the hill means like in that cemetery over there. Um, but <laughs> in that cemetery. Yeah. Beyond. Um, but as you get closer to the age where you potentially cannot have children, you know, unless you have, you know, other reasons that you physically cannot, um, you know, it's like the pressure comes on to reevaluate. And are you sure? Are you really sure? Like you just, you know, your brain does that to you. Your family does that to you. And one of my reasons is definitely related to the chronic pain issue. It's like, if I had a kid, I could handle a baby. I don't know that I could, at this age and with the current condition of my body, handle a three-year-old, a four-year-old. Something that was fast and (laughs) little. (laughs) 
<laughs> a, a weird little humanoid creature. Yeah, it's like I'd be. It's like chasing a squirrel around. Like I, I just maybe I should go to the park and test that theory. But you know, <laughs> I mean, I did nanny for a long time, so I do have experience, and I know you know that's what it is. It's like it, you have to make sure that the kid's not going to kill itself every single day because of all the things they like to try to do, <laughs> and. So, so, yeah, I definitely can relate to that. And I think that launches us kind of into the child-free movement as a whole, as a group of people who have made a decision. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the history of the child-free movement, Emma? And, uh, yeah, explain to us how this ragtag group of people came to be a recognized entity. Yeah. uh, So, from what I know, it really kind of up in the 60s and 70s the 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 word child free um there's actually this lady who's pretty well known in the community called marcia Dwight davis who was a teacher and she did a segment on i think 60 minutes at the time she was she was she was young she was married and i think maybe in her 20s and a teacher and she mentioned that she didn't want to have kids she lost her job because of that segment that was on tv to me the word child free is very important as opposed to childless, because um, it overlaps, of course, in how it's stigmatized by society of not having children, not having, you know, whatever, the legacy or the perfect family. Um, But child-free really means that you're free of anything that's related to parenting. It can be uh, pregnancy. Uh, A lot of people have tocophobia, the fear of everything that pregnancy can do. And once you read the side effects, you know, I completely understand. (laughs) It's a it's really difficult on the human body. And I, I think I've seen so many women say that once they've gone through it, they realize how much they haven't been told on purpose by other women, by doctors, because if you tell women what it's really like, they won't want, they won't want kids anymore. And I think that's so unfair to women. And it's literally um, life-threatening. Like, and I don't mean that every person who, who gets pregnant and, you know, has a child or whatever, you know, (laughs) is like right against death's door, but, um, it's more dangerous than an abortion. It's definitely (laughs) more dangerous than abortion. Um, like I had a boyfriend whose sister, um, was eight months pregnant and had, um, pulmonary embolism, which is essentially, I believe a blood clot that goes to your heart. And that is incredibly common in pregnant women. Like, and she just was outside of her workplace and dropped dead. And and when that happened, I was like, wow, that must be really rare. How, how crazy is that? And of course I did some research and it was like, it's not like insanely rare. You know, it's something that um, does happen from time to time. Yeah. I mean, there is a still, especially in America, pregnant mother mortality is a big deal. It's, and I mean, we it's have always one a big of deal, the highest. We have one of the highest rates of mortality in, in developed nations, in but developed nations. I, that's still insane to me. And it affects women of color disproportionately, of which course. is, of course, so American. Of, yeah, it's of, so very American. Of America. <laughs> and as you said, it's, it's, it can be death, it can be lifelong complications, which, you know, isn't <laughs> easier. And I mean, yeah. how many friends do I have who are like, oh, I just pee now when I laugh? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. uh, all the time. <laughs> can't orgasm yeah you have p- major pelvic floor issues someone i mean even even postpartum like postpartum depression yeah really I mean, too. And that's my biggest issue is that we're not letting women get educated on the risks i don't know i feel like people 
do so much research when they're buying a car or maybe doing, you know, an elective surgery. But then when it's having a baby, people just tell you, oh, your body is made to do that. Well, I mean, mm-hmm. not really, <laughs> actually. <laughs> and it's, it's um, it should be, women should be able to make complete decisions on, on what could happen. And it's just, I, I read something that said that the perfect pregnancy is actually a rarity. A normal pregnancy has a lot of complications. And if you don't, you're actually really, really lucky. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and we were talking about what happens after you're pregnant, then you're a mom. And like Eva was saying, that's a side effect. That's a side that A, that's a side effect. And B, um, I'm sure that's another reason that people opt out of having children because it's a hard job. It's a it's the hardest job that I can think of to Definitely. chase after and- children and just worry about them constantly. I don't know how you wouldn't worry about them constantly. Oh, I, I worry about my what? hypothetical children all the time. And then I'm like, I, I, they would hate me so much. Because <laughs> I'm such a control freak. I fostered a puppy. I yeah. fostered puppies. And after a week, I am crying from stress and not sleeping yes. and chasing it around. <laughs> I'm ready to give it to somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> it's so cute. And then you're like, oh my God. It pays so much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That definitely is not. Maybe it's talked about some, but it's definitely not um, fully recognized. I'm very lucky in that friends I have that do have children are the people who tell me don't have children. Um, (laughs) They love their kids, right? But if you're a mom and you're not maybe in, you know, the art scene in L.A., maybe you're not the kind of person who can say, oh, my God, my kids, they drive me insane. Like, I hate that one sometimes. He's such a little asshole. Like, there are plenty of people who can't be honest about that, you know, who, and they don't hate, hate their kids. They love their kids. But a lot of moms have to be like, oh, my God, this is the best thing that's ever happened, and this is my life, and blah, blah, blah. And there are moms like that that probably truly believe that, and good good for them. Those are the women that should be having children. Um, and just as a disclaimer, as we say women, like, just because – it's 2021. Uterus havers. Uterus havers. We're, we're going to in- use those interchangeably. Or former uter- uterus havers. Yeah. Yeah. I think you bring up the important point that regretting being a parent doesn't mean you don't love your kids. Exactly. Um, absolutely not. Uh, but I think that's what's so difficult for people to recognize this way. I think that's why sometimes I think that the child-free and regretful parents should come together because, you know, when one community becomes more open or, or is better known, it helps both. Um, it helps parents who are regretful to, to know that the choice of not having children will be respected. And, and I think it helps the child free when people, people who regret having children are respected because as you say, often, often they're treated worse than the child free because I don't know, there's this oh, element yeah. of how, how dare you, <laughs> yeah. you know, but it's not the necessarily, you know, the, the child itself. Of course they love the child. It's, it's, it's parenting, it's, it's parenting. motherhood, or it's other parents, or society. I you know that uh, people with children are always asking, "Aren't you going to regret not having children?" Um, we don't go around to every person as a kid. Don't you regret having a child? Right. <laughs> but I mean, are you sure you are you sure you don't want to travel in your middle age? Like, <laughs> And I like I've heard horror stories of women who tried to get their tubes tied, and the doctor's like, "No, 
No, you're so young that I'm I I won't do the surgery because you're so young. Obviously, I've, you're going to change yeah. your mind. I'm obviously. on my like second IUD, and I'm a huge proponent of it. I love my IUD, and um, I told someone about it, and they went in and talked to their doctor, and their doctor said that they don't do it for anyone who hasn't already have had a child or isn't um, in their late twenties, and I mean like twenty nine thirty. Wait, wait, just an an IUD. Just an IUD. The, you mean the Just fully, the five the years. fully well, reversible now, now birth seven. control? Yeah, the one you can take out by yourself in five minutes in your bathroom. You yourself, could, but, yes. but it's fully reversible birth yeah, control. Fully reversible. And they're still like, yeah, no. Yeah, but- you're too young. You're too, young. you're too young to make this decision Which about, is like, do they about what to know do with your body? that it causes cancer and that's why they're saying that. Like what? You know what I mean? Save the young ones. I don't understand. Save the young ones. You know? Yeah, I don't oh that's patronizing. Yeah, and there's definitely that's a thing where I mean, yes, women who have already had children. Are, are you talking with regards to getting your tubes a uh, tubal ligation? Are you talking about women who have never had children? Women who have never had children. Yeah, that yeah. I feel like there are more doctors who would not than would. Um, I've also heard, I don't know if this is true, but there are some doctors that they need, you need written permission from your husband to get your tubes tied. You've heard that too? Yeah, definitely heard that. (laughs) Go fuck yourself. Right? I don't need a permission slip. A woman doesn't need a permission slip. And if I'm not telling my husband that, we're eventually going to get divorced anyway. Yeah. So. (laughs) You maybe, if you can't tell each other that, then like maybe you shouldn't co-parent together. Yeah. Don't worry, doctor. <laughs> He's not going to be around for long. But on, on the other side, you know, there are a lot of women that are trapped um, in abusive marriages and probably wouldn't be able to get their husband's support, but are struggling with having already two, three kids and don't want more. And it's just so unfair to them to force them to have somebody else's permission to do that when their own health is in such danger, mental, physical, financial, everything. Because kids are expensive. Kids are so expensive. There just really isn't support. And, and again, we can go back to the abortion thing. America, Americans love to support unborn babies, but they do not want to support the born babies. They certainly do not. The second they pop out, someone else's problem. Right. Yeah. Well, it was your decision. Was your, you're the one, you know, keep your, what? Keep aspirin, your legs closed. Aspirin between your knees. Keep your knees closed. <laughs> You know, it's funny because I keep my knees closed, like, not very often. Like, I'm just very unladylike. And, and, I and you keep, still don't have a baby. And I you. still <laughs> don't have a baby. It's crazy. It's crazy. I thought that's how it happened. You just walk around without your knees together and bada bing. You know, my grandmother was born, I think, in the 1920s. And she came from a Catholic family. So she had four kids. My great-grandmother both had seven or eight kids each. Um, and, of course, I... She didn't have a choice. Nobody had, no women had choices at the time. So, um, and then of course it affects the child free, but it also affects um, women who want kids. Um, like we, I mean, we've even seen, you know, Britney Spears not being allowed to remove her IUD. I like, can't, like that, that cannot be legal. That just cannot be legal. She is, that she had someone else making medical decisions for her under mm-hmm. that conservatorship. I mean, if you're forcing someone to not be able to have a child that they maybe want, like. <laughs> right. It's just either way. Just, I can make decisions about what happens in my uterus, either not using it to make babies or using it to make babies. Like every woman can choose. Every woman has a brain to be able to choose these things. And they should have a say 
in how their life goes. There's no support for these women and you have to be this perfect mother. So I think mothers need to support the child-free movement because it's reproductive rights on the whole. It's all of it. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we're not separate. You know, I think both child-free, childless, and also mothers, like, Mm -hmm. we're all on the same side, right? You get to choose to be a mother if you want to. Um, And my choice is not to do that. And I will support your choice and you will support my choice. And that's how, you know, we as women continue to be able to have fucking choices, you know, like it's, it's crazy because think about all of the thing, everything you do in your day, you have a choice, right? You have a child. I don't know one person who's going to say, oh, after 10 years, I decided I really wasn't into this. and I didn't want to do it. So I gave the child up for adoption. Right. Even if you didn't want to make the decision or you, if you didn't make the choice to have that's children a no, in that's the first a no, place. That's a no take backs. Yeah. Life choice. No. <laughs> More than anything. I mean, and I think that's part of why I'm pretty comfortable being child free is that it, it is, it's not just, oh, I'm going to have a baby and it's going to be a cute little baby and I'm going to dress it up and it's going to be a mini me. You're making a person. Yeah. And that's a big responsibility. And I, I do think about it a lot. Yeah, there's nothing bigger. Yeah. There's nothing bigger. There's nothing bigger. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's just the thing you do. I think you have yeah. to be you have to be in it a hundred percent. And you I mean have there to... are people who look at, you know, people like us who are like who, you know, either are pretty sure they're not gonna have children or are very are absolutely sure or who have kind of waffled back and forth over the years, you know, instead of just being one of those people who are like, Well, of course I'm gonna have a kid. And there there are people who just assume like don't respect us because they just assume that like we don't respect their choice to have a kid you know because we don't want kids and it's not like that at all no i think the decision at least you know in my case and obviously as amy just spoke in her her case and i would guess pretty much across the board it is not a decision taken lightly no it is something i've thought about for an insane amount of hours of my life (laughs) I think that's the right thing to do. Yeah. Like, you should put a lot of thought into it. It shouldn't just be, oops, Yeah. well, I guess we're having a baby. If some people put as much thought into not having a child, uh, into having a child as, as we have into not having a child, there would be a lot of happier children in the yeah. world. <laughs> or less really sad, abused children, sadly. So how long have you been thinking about it? Like, is this, you know, even if you didn't, feel like you had the choice like before you got mm-hmm. old enough to realize it was actually your individual choice it was clearly something that you paid attention to because you knew it was something that you were supposed to in quotes to do so it must have been relatively early for you to be like i don't i don't know if i want to do that so i'm i'm writing about this for an article that's going to be in the child free magazine by tanya williams a second edition coming in august it's crowdfunded and there's the first edition in january and she's publishing a second one um, I, w- in august. I want she's that really- yeah at the, at i want the, at I the want end to of the episode that. we're gonna have you talk about that a little more and we'll make sure that it's in the show notes <laughs> yeah no we'll drop a link to that in the show notes um oh, okay go go yes go and- ahead so I remember, you know, uh, being a teenager and having these huge family gatherings of hundreds of people and, you know, you're, you're, you're like having your meal and then you go in the kitchen and it's full of moms and their toddlers because there's always toddlers because everybody has so many kids. So when I was in my teens, um, I, I knew that I didn't want that. And I associated 
kids with marriage because it's like, well, you get married, you have kids. There was no like, you can get married without kids. So I also became very anti-marriage. <laughs> I always told my mom, I am not going to get married because I didn't want to have kids. Actually, that was like the end result, but I would always stop at, at I don't want to get married. And it was, it was really scary to me, the idea of having to be married. Um, and it's, it's, I wasn't, you know, it's not like 10,000 people ask me when I turned 18 or anything. It, it was more of a, also this pressure of being marriageable. So, you know, wear pretty dresses instead of, you know, jogging, uh, lose weight if you're, you know, a little overweight like I was. Uh, make sure your hair is nice. Uh, like be, don't be too feminist because you're going to scare, you know, boys away. Make sure, like very, like make sure you're, um, almost like it, this Barbie doll version, you know, of womanhood. Um, so there's all these things that made me really kind of, uh, dread <laughs> all that comes with, you know, marriage and kids. And when I got in my late teens, early, uh, 20s, I realized that no, you, you can get married and not have children. <laughs> and I, that's when I realized like, oh, I don't necessarily have an issue with marriage. I have an issue, um, with, with forced motherhood. When I got married, it was a little bit pushed forward because my visa was running out and we could not stay together uh, in either my country or his country, the U.S., without getting married. So it was like, uh, it, it was a decision like, no, well, we got to get married because we, we literally can't stay together if we don't do it. Um, and I feel very lucky that he's been supportive. Uh, I've been the breadwinner at time. He has been now. Like, I feel like we have a good partnership, but, you know, um, I'm not sure that I would be sometimes I worry a little bit about some of my friends, you know, getting into relationships that seem like either the, the, the man, the partner doesn't seem like he might be the best, um, the best equal partner, or uh, there's a focus on the wedding. Um, instead of, <laughs> oh my God. Instead of the marriage. Yeah. And I think we, yeah, I mean, especially in the U S it is crazy what brides do here. Uh it is, it is intense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, let me ask, what country are you originally from? And have you felt uh, that there's not much difference between your country of origin and the U.S. in terms of this whole baby mess? Yeah, interesting question. Um, I'm from France, which is usually considered a pretty pro-naturalist country. They're heavily encouraging uh, famille nombreuse, so large families of three plus kids. And there's a ton of programs that, that definitely make it easier for people to have many children. Why do they um, want people to have so many kids? Do we know? Uh, probably just workforce, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not even sure. I think it started during the, the First World War. Uh, they mm -hmm. needed more cannon fodder and they wanted to encourage people to have kids and yeah. then taxpayers now. And then... Uh, uh, there's a heavy Catholic influence. So okay. of course that's the no birth control, you know, because if you, if you take birth control, you're going against God's plan and you should have as many kids uh, as you physically can, I guess. Although I think most people end up stopping at some point before they reach, you know, dugger levels, <laughs> <laughs> but still pretty naturalist country. Um, and then here in the U S I, I actually don't think there is necessarily a huge difference in how it's handled in Europe and here. I think it just kind of depends where you are. Like, of course, if you're in a city, people will get married and have kids later. So maybe you don't have that pressure to be married with kids at 21, 22, which I hear can happen, you know, in more rural areas. I haven't 
seeing it. Um, and then I come from Paris, so uh, I know a little bit of both. I know people who got married straight out of college and had you know, many kids, and I know people who are still having a lot of kids but married more in their late 20s. Um, I think it's kind of at, at the same level right now, although I will say I think the child-free community is more active in the U.S. Like there are a couple people that I know of in France and there's they're talking about it more. There is a book that just came out a couple months ago about it um, from this professor. But I think the U.S. definitely has more people to look up to, to find you know inspiration or, or communities um, around it. So, Can you drop some names for us? Where online is, you know, the places or, or the, say, I don't know, influencers, or if they're influencers. Yes, the child-free influencers. Child-free influencers. Because that's, that's new to me. And of course there are. I mean, it's the internet, of course. But. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so of course, you know, if you Google child-free book, you'll have all the, the top that pop up. But I want to mention, I think, um, Maxine Trump, she's a um, documentary director, and she made a, kid, a movie called Two Kid or Not Two Kid. Mm. Um, and it explores kind of whether or not she actually wanted kids. So at the beginning, she's kind of like, probably no, but who knows? So she talks to um, she talks to a friend, she talks to a mother who has multiple kids. Obviously, she's child-free, uh, spoiler alert. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's kind of interesting because I've always kind of been staunchly child-free since I was young. But I think it's interesting for people who might be like, I'm not sure I am or not. So her documentary is is really, really good. Um, and then there's Therese Schefter, hopefully I'm saying that right, who is uh, who just finished wrapping filming on her documentary called My So-Called Selfish Life. Um, so I haven't seen it yet, but I'm very excited about it. Um, I also mentioned the Child Free magazine by Tanya Williams, who's, um, who's based in Australia. And then um, something exciting that's happening July 31st is uh, the Child Free Conference. So it's a free online conference um, that's hosted by some great Child Free people that explore these different things. I think it's the first year it's happening. So if it goes well, maybe it'll become an annual thing. And then what I use also is um, just different Child Free groups on Facebook. On Reddit, The if you use Reddit, the subform Child Free has like a million subscribers, although wow. I'm pretty sure not all of these are... <laughs> Chelsea people. <laughs> couple trolls um, in there. Yeah. Yeah, probably a lot. Um, but it's <laughs> great too. And then um, in, in the mainstream media, I feel like there's been more coverage over the years. Um, the Guardian, which I love, did a series last summer uh, on, on, on the Chelsea. So it was a bunch of articles about why people, why some of these women were Chelsea. So one was, I remember she had this intense anxiety around climate change. I think another one, it was like mental health or her relationship maybe with her family. Like there's interesting perspectives on why why people might have a, a main reason why they might want to be child-free. And then uh, just a couple weeks ago, the New York Times did a feature on uh, Zoe Noble from Berlin. She's a photographer and she has a whole community called We Are Child-Free and she interviews and takes great pictures of, of these women. And she has a podcast as well. Um, just again exploring kind of child free so yeah it's definitely a growing community which is great um and i i think there's still progress to be made obviously but i don't think there's a huge difference in europe and the u.s now if we're talking about countries you know that are considered economically still in development um it's there's probably more to be there obviously which is why i love it when i'm able to see articles about maybe you know some women in india that are proud to be child free there's this um there's this amazon tv show that 
I kind of like um, that kind of been compared to Sex in the City. Uh, it's called Four More Shots, Please. Um, and it's based in Mumbai and it follows these four, four women. So um, they're all single at the start. One is divorced with a kid. Um, the other three are single with no kids. And it's made pretty clear that at least two of them don't want kids. And then the fourth one, who was also single, is kind of being forced by her parents into, uh, well, losing weight so that she can get married off in an arranged marriage. Uh, yeah. And it's, uh, I've only started season two, so I don't really know how it all ends. But I don't know. I feel like she's, she could also be child-free because uh, she's pretty independent. And it it's just kind of interesting because, you know, it's uh, it's obviously made in a country that might not be associated with um such free-spirited you know characters and going against expectations so it's nice to see kind of these um these bits and pieces of representations here and there even if it's not argumentatively child-free it's still like those ideas that you know you don't have to get married you don't have to have kids to have a fulfilling life or a legacy or whatever <laughs> there's so many things um yeah i think i'm looking forward to the day that basically that it feels like the market is saturated with content, you know, <laughs> that will be, we'll have achieved something when it is like, when there's too many people to cite. <laughs> on well, that's, that is one of our aims is to mm-hmm. be part of that rush of content. We'll put all of those amazing references in the show notes. Um, because yeah, I want to look at so many of those things. Yeah. Um, we have a lot of TV to catch up on. Also, I don't know how to find TV on Netflix. I feel like if it's not on like the scroll page, I I really don't know how to find content. <laughs> Hulu's the same way. <laughs> so thank you. Those are amazing recommendations. So there's a huge overlap between single women and child-free women. I mean, you don't have to be child-free if you're also not married or single or don't believe in marriage. But you've researched a lot about a lot of single women and... Uh, do you have a favorite? Oh, yes. I I absolutely love her. And I think she's still not known well enough. Um, she's Her name is Marie Marvin. And she was born in 1875 in France. So, you know, at a time where a lot of things were still expected of women, uh, a lot of restrictions. Um, but it's interesting because she basically became this record-breaking athlete, uh, aviation pioneer. She was a nurse during both world wars and she was a resistance member uh, and she was highly decorated. She got the highest decoration in French, which is the Legion of Honor. So what happened? Why did she live this unique life? Because basically her father uh, encouraged her when she was young um, into sports. So she did a lot of bicycling and swimming and mountain sports and mountain climbing, uh, even martial arts at the time, you know, uh, early 20th century, I think when it was just arriving to Europe. Um, and she, she did all those things that were, you know, not necessarily appropriate for women to do, uh, including, you know, swimming in, in the Seine river in Paris. Um, and she, she, she just, broke a lot of records at the time. Uh, I think she held 17 or so world championships and records. Um, and one of my favorite anecdotes is that in 1908, she wanted to she wanted to do the Tour de France with men, but she wasn't allowed because she was a woman. And so instead of just saying, well, okay, I'm not allowed. I'll just wait until it's, you know, until it's my turn. She, she rode behind the men like 15 minutes or so. So she kept on track with them and uh, she completed it. So what's very interesting is that uh, 78 of the 114 men who were uh, originally participating in the Tour de France did not complete it. 
So even though um, <laughs> officially she did not complete it and officially she didn't do anything, unofficially she beat 70% of these men uh, at a sports that they were telling her she wasn't good enough to do. Um, and this is in, you know, 1908, which is pretty, pretty amazing to me. And she didn't stop there. Uh, this was also at the time where like aviation was starting. And, and then at the time where like, planes were really, really falling apart. Like there's so many stories of these early aviators just dying because there's crashes all the time. So she started with hot air balloons. She was the first person to cross from, from France to England. So somebody had done it the other way around, I think from England to France, but she was the first to do it from France to England. Uh, and I think she, uh, she landed by landing in the tree. I think I remember. And she, was, <laughs> she had a, uh, a man with her uh, on her hot air balloon. And I think he he had a really hard time dealing uh, with how physical the whole thing was. Uh, so she was, again, outperforming um, her gender, I guess. So she did hot air balloons, then she did planes, again, at a time where it was really deadly to want to be an aviator. Uh, she also held licenses for helicopters uh, and I think seaplanes. Like she just, she was just like, <laughs> anything that's aviation related, she will do it. Um, and then World War One happened, and she became a, a nurse inspired by um, Florence Nightingale's work, which is another awesome single woman who was very clear about wanting to not marry so that she could pursue what she thought was, you know, her 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 life path uh, being a nurse. And so Marie became a World War One nurse, and she would reprise her role for World War Two. And in between, basically, she kind of invented. Um, a version of the ambulance airplane uh, that she thought was really important to use to kind of be able to lift wounded soldiers out of the war zone to somewhere where they can be treated better. Um, now, if you Google kind of who invented that, um, there's different sources because I think a lot of people were kind of having the same ideas at the same time. But she definitely tried to patent it, I think, in the, around 1917. She might not be like the creator of the ambulance airplane, uh, but she definitely was working on it and trying to build a prototype. Uh, and then what she she basically became famous for kind of promoting this aerial medical evacuation around the world. Um, I think she she attended thousands of conferences over the years, including one in Chicago where she was um, at the same conference as Amelia Earhart, which is she was obviously more well known. So it's a pretty cool kind of connection there. Um, and this. Her being known as this public speaker who spoke multiple languages, um, French, English, I think German. I'm pretty sure she knew Esperanto, which is, you know, this kind of invented European yeah. language. She was well known for being a public speaker and doing this presentation, which allowed her during World War II to work undercover as a member of the resistance and kind of go across different countries under the guise of doing these conferences. But really, she was uh, smuggling information, um, which a lot of people... Uh, thought is what she did uh, after World War II, but it wasn't really proven until more recently when they found kind of a, I think they found a medal recently that proved that she had really done uh, work for the resistance. That needs to be a French movie. Do you write screenplays? I know, it was really good. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, she um, she inspired a U.S. Um, it's not a movie, it's a serial, so it's a different episodes. Uh, she's this movie from, I think, is it 19... 19- 1914, she inspired this serials in the U.S. from 1914 called The Perils of Pauline. Um, 
Pauline Narvin, as they named the heroine. It's and it's uh, this young girl who uh, is going to get married, I think, but she wants to kind of be adventurous before she's tied down by marriage, and she goes on all these adventures. And she also supposedly made um, a movie about her her invention of uh, ambulance airplanes, um, but I don't think any records survive of that. Uh, so she really dabbled in a lot of things. She also opened a ski school in the Alps and one in Morocco where they used like metal skis. Um, <laughs> she also disguised herself as a man shortly during World War One to be able to fight at the front uh, because women weren't allowed. She also was one of the first women to fly kind of combat missions against women weren't really allowed, but they needed somebody to fly a plane to, to I think, drop some bombs. And she did it. And she was one of the first to do that. Uh, she she really is just like nonstop. She even opened, I think, during or around World War II, this kind of um, this kind of housing for wounded uh, veterans that were like uh, plane fighters, so that they would have a place to kind of recuperate. Unfortunately, by the time that she passed away, she had kind of been forgotten. And so, from what I could see in her biography, which was written by the, an American woman. Uh, Rosalie Maggio um, and it, the book is, is great I really recommend it it's, it only came out uh, in 2019 it's called uh, Marie Marvin fiance of danger first female bomber pilot world-class athlete and inventor of the air ambulance and you would think a title like that would be fiction but it's not <laughs> she really did all that um, and she wrote in the book the author the, the biographer that a lot of uh, Marie's belongings were kind of uh, lost because they were kind of dispersed. She was a little bit forgotten by the time of her death. And I think with this book, it's really helpful to kind of uh, resurrect her legacy because her story is just incredible. You just read and it's like, she just, oh my God, it's just so much life. And it was, again, you'd think it's fiction, but she is, she was an accomplished woman, incredible woman. And, and oh, the thing that's really funny about her is that she, um, she was pretty open about not wanting kids or to to get married. Uh, she was frustrated when journalists kept asking her about like who she's dating or if she's going to get married. And so she said, "Look here, anybody can get married, and anyone can have babies, even cats." And then <laughs> later, <laughs> later she said, "If I had been married, I could certainly never have lived the life I've lived, done the things I've done." Everything I've done has been for humanitarian or scientific reasons. I could never have done that as a married woman. So I think that shows you that she was, I mean, it was a conscious choice. She had lovers, but she was pretty private with her private life from what I could read. And another thing that I found very interesting about her is that she actually wrote an article called, I think it was called Their Wives. So Leur Femme in French. And it was an article about the wives of famous men because she was tired of them just being the wife of, and she wanted them to be known for their own accomplishments, uh, which again is, I think, something we've seen a lot in more recent years. But I don't think at the, I think at the time it was it was a very new idea to kind of celebrate these women as more than you know the wife of Mister General or the wife of this famous surgeon. And yeah, she was a yeah she was a great feminist. She did a lot of fantastic work, and I think it's those quotes that she gave to journalists are pretty funny <laughs> <laughs> and a sense of humor mm-hmm. unfair uh yeah she sounds like <laughs> a real badass lady just one of those accomplishments on their own she really didn't respect cats <laughs> 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 oh 
Her, I mean, she didn't have time to be a crazy cat lady. That's true. That's true. She didn't. She just didn't busy. have the time. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And then she is right. If she had children, like a child tagging along on all of her adventures, like she couldn't have done most mm-hmm. of this stuff. No. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, again, I am not trying. You know, I never, I never want mothers to think that that I'm um, being rude to them or or motherhood. I just, I just think it's really hard for women to accomplish everything they want to when when they have a child. It's just yeah. it's physically, mentally, financially, and so I think seeing these these women who who outperformed uh, to incredible levels and who knew that their progress would have been stopped by marrying and or having kids is um is it, it's interesting how how people try to squeeze all of human experience into this very this very rigid frame of uh, you know get married have kids and <laughs> um when when there's just so many examples of women not doing that absolutely thank you so much for talking to us about the child free movement before we let you go we always play a game at the end of our show. Our game is why aren't you married? But you are married. So let's change it up and let's play why are you child free? So Emma, why are you child free? I am child free to break the cycle of suffering. My mother <laughs> suffered. My grandmother <laughs> suffered. My great grandmother They all sacrificed their lives so the kids could have a better life. And I want to have that better life. Yes. <laughs> I want to enjoy yes. It. Yes. <laughs> So I will probably be my main reason to be child free. I wanna I I like to think that I am trying to accomplish my dreams in honor of them who are probably not able um to do so because they had to focus, you know, on raising their kids. So hopefully they're they're grateful that I am trying to, you know, live my life to the fullest. I think they are. I think they are. And Eva, hmm. why are you child free? Hmm. Um yeah, I really like being alone. Like, I like going to the movies alone. I like going shopping alone. I like, uh, I actually went to a child-free, well, they didn't call it that. It was an adults-only hot spring spa for my birthday last weekend. And it was so fucking quiet. It was a miracle. So it was so quiet. And it was just, uh, it was wonderful. It was really great. So I'm going to go, um, going to go with solitude Mm. slash the quiet Mm. that's a yeah that's a good one Mm -hmm. um also with like the movies or shopping you know you you're gonna have to haul your toddler out of there while having a tantrum and if you don't have a toddler to haul out of there you can just quietly go about i like half feel bad for the mom if i'm like in a goodwill if she's there because she has to get something i mean i don't know then i feel bad for her right if she's there just to shop and she's letting her kids scream bloody murder the entire time I'm there, I'm annoyed. You know what I mean? It's just kind of like, you know, when people bring their kids to things they shouldn't like, yeah. like violent, bloody movies at yeah. 1230 in the middle of the night because it's Hollywood and what people do with their three-year-old toddler. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's. It's a thing. It's, it's a, a thing. It's a, it's a quiet thing that you're after. Just, That's all. Oh, the silence. That's all. And Amy, why are you child-free? Um, because I don't like sticky things. <laughs> um, children always have, like, their hands are always sticky. Mm-hmm. There's always crumbs. Mm-hmm. Like, they put, and they put, like, literal stickers on things. Literal like, stickers. Literal stickers. Yeah. 
I bet there's been some like amazing mid-century furniture that has been ruined by stickers. Just destroyed by stickers. Mm -hmm. Oh, I know. This has definitely happened. Yeah. I like things not sticky. So that is why I am child-free. Makes sense to me. (laughs) Total sense. Well, you've heard it, people. We're not having kids. We're not having kids. I do love the ones I'm related to. <laughs> yeah. No, I, individually, and, kids and I, are, you I know. like some other ones. I like yeah. most of my friends' kids. And, uh, sorry, I like all of my friends' kids. And I do, <laughs> and I do love a baby. So, like, if, if a kid is under, I don't know, let's say 18 months, I'm all about it. But I can't be all about it 24-7. Just because you like some kids doesn't mean that you have to have your own. Yeah, I like it, lots of things. It doesn't mean that doesn't like, mean you have they to belong own them. in my house. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I can be like, oh my God, look at that dress. That's insane. I love it so much. But like, it just doesn't fit me. Or like a chocolate fountain or something. You don't right. need that in your house. It just doesn't. You just don't need it. It just doesn't go. <laughs> well, thank you again, Emma. Yeah, thank, thank you, you so Emma. much. This was this was a great topic. And, and you can find uh, you can find Emma on Instagram at Millennial Emma. Do you, are you anywhere a else you want to be found? Are you, are you uh, on Twitter? I'm also on Twitter. But what's your handle on but Twitter? What is your, what is your <laughs> um, Twitter handle? Yes, it's the same, Millennial Emma. Great. It simple. Awesome. Mm-hmm. We will link that in the show notes. And um, look for Emma's book coming out definitely soon because there's definitely <laughs> some independent publisher or major publisher who's going to want this book. For sure. If you want more Spinster Life, you can visit us on Instagram. We are Spinster Life Podcast. We can also be found at our website, spinsterlife.com. And thanks again so much for listening. Have a good weekend. Ciao.